Welcome to the 6AM Run Podcast. My name is Mark Paisant. I'm an avid runner, a certified personal trainer, a 6AM Run ambassador, and host of the show. Be sure to head over to the website, 6AMRun.com, to sign up today to get 20% off of your first order. Now, let's start the show. Hello, and welcome back to the 6AM Run Podcast. Like every day, you know, my name is Mark Paisant, the host of the show. Thanks so much for joining us. We have a really good show for you today. I think you're going to really enjoy what this guest has to offer, who I must say is also a podcast host on his own. So afterwards, go listen to his podcast. But before we get started, as always, this show is brought to you by 6AM Run and 6AMRun.com. Head over to that website to sign up to get 20% off of your first order. So we have John Mendez. That is Mendez with a Z at the end. Spell it correct. He's going to teach us about building wealth, where we start, all that good stuff. But you know what? I'm going to let him introduce himself. John, thank you so much for being a part of the show. Why don't you go and introduce yourself for the audience? Yeah, definitely. Before I introduce myself, I just want to say thank you for the opportunity. I'm excited to you know, see where our conversation uh, takes us today uh, on this conversation today. So my name is John Mendez. I am the host of the Walk to Wealth podcast, where I enlighten and empower young adults to build wealthy, abundant lives. And I pretty much, and for me, financial literacy and you know that abundant mindset is something that I lacked. Uh, growing up and and wasn't until a few years back before I, I got into entrepreneurship world that I had figured this stuff out a little bit and I'm still figuring it out but uh, it was definitely something that I wasn't exposed to and now I'm just on a mission to help expose others to it earlier on in their life so they don't get down the road and try to figure it out and if you are down the road uh, help them too and I'm glad you said so I'm I'm in my 40s and I can tell you that um other than I think an econ one oh one class <laughs> I took in I think other than that class, I don't think finance or bills or taxes or or what I needed to do with a, a savings account, I don't think any of that was ever explained to me. And yeah. um so and I'm not I'm not taking the responsibility off of myself, but is that what you're seeing a lot of the people and we'll get to what you're doing, but a lot of the people that you work with, are you seeing that they just there's just no education about financial stability or financial education uh, nowadays and you're having to do that for them? Yeah, so it's like for the most part it's not even in a lack of accessibility. I think that was the big issue before. But it's more so now with the there's an overly saturated amount of information and people now are striving and starving for wisdom and community. That's what people are really looking for now. And for me, it's everyone always says and someone that actually guested on their show, he's a teacher. And so I kind of brought up a point where it's like, you know, we're not taught this in school and yada, yada, yada. And he was like, well, I'm a teacher. So hold on, hold on, hold on. And he put the brakes on me really quickly. And he was pretty much saying like, most teachers aren't financially literate. Most teachers aren't financially independent. Most teachers aren't wealthy. They're in debt. Tons of it. 
right? And so how can we expect these people to try and teach us these concepts and these topics when they haven't even done it in their lives? So it's like we're pointing at, you know, the wrong, the finger at the wrong people. And so it's like, well, if we can't point it at them, the only leaves us. So it's like, right? So we got to kind of take it on amongst ourselves to kind of go and learn it. But it's one of these situations where it's like ignorance is bliss. So do you choose to stay in and not know and just live an average and, you know, blissful, I guess, life, quote unquote? Or do you choose to know? And then once you do know, do you choose to be willfully blind and pretend as if you didn't know? Or do you choose to say, hey, I got this information in front of me now. Let me make a shift in my life. Let me do something different. So it's, it's a very complex question that you could try to hit from, you know, many, many different angles. But we have people that are trying to go to Mars right now. You know, people have been around for ages and we still can't get this money situation figured out, right? There's always going to be poverty. There's always going to be wealth. And for some reason, no matter how many geniuses have walked across this planet, no one can figure it out yet. So it's not one of these, uh, you know, band-aid solutions that you can stick on everything. It's definitely something that uh, is a multivariate problem that is hard to figure out. But, you know, I'm in a mission just to try and help, you know, the best that I can. Well, if you're listening to this show, uh, what you just witnessed was a definite paradigm shift in thinking because I had never thought you're absolutely correct. Like teachers in our nation are not on average paid well at all. And um, I can tell you right now, if I was in debt and I wasn't making much money, the last thing I'd want to teach other people is about money. So I definitely understand that focus. But let's focus on your um, your story, your history. So I understand that you decided to drop out of college. You said, yeah. this isn't for me. And, and not only, and listen, people, not only did you drop out, but you did it during a pandemic. Yeah. So kind of walk us through that decision. What was going on and, and how did you get there? Yeah, so uh, I'll give a a little bit of context. This is going to make the decision that much more impactful. So for me, I grew up in the projects. It was nine of us in a two-bedroom. I didn't have my own bed until almost fifth grade year when I moved to the house I'm in now. And so for me, money was always tight. My grandparents on my Dominican side, they immigrated here. Uh, They were the ones that raised me. It's uh, me, my grandparents, my sister, and they don't don't speak a lick of English, right? So all they know is I work till you die type of mentality. Money's super tight. And so for me growing up, I was never that born entrepreneur, right? I didn't have the sales skills. I wasn't, you know, selling candy bars and I didn't have the lemonade stand and the paper route. But uh, I was a very positive kid, a very smart kid, very wise kid. Uh, School came very easy to me. I got into 13 colleges and I ended up 2019. I graduated high school, decided to go to University of Connecticut. I was in the School of Business there. And the first year, I loved it. You know, I had a 378. You know, I was in a couple fashion, show, you know, fashion shows, a couple clubs. I was doing it all. I was in a learning community. I was involved. Like I, I even represented my learning community in the homecoming day parade. They let me take over the Instagram page, and so I was having a blast. And then I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the night before spring break, before we took off, March 2020, and pretty much it was me and four other my friends. We were together, and pretty much they were uh, two of them. Three of them decided, we're like, hey, John, we're not coming back next week. And we kind of made a bet. And then me and one of my other friends were like, eh, it's not that serious. We'll be back. Fast forward a little bit. A couple of days after, boom, world shut down. Right? And then for me, it's like everything was kind of uncertain, right? And I don't know what compelled me to step into Barnes & Noble. But one day, it was around November 2020. Walked into Barnes & Noble, picked up three books. First book was Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I read that book, and it planted a seed in me. 
And that seed, what it, what it did was I'm someone that's genuinely curious and I love learning. But for so long, most of the learning had just been stuff to get by. And for the first time in a long time, I seen something that was like, this could actually be used in my life. And so I jumped into the personal finance rabbit hole and that winter break and leading into 2021, I was just going ham, watching YouTube videos, double speed, podcasts, books, whatever you think. I bought a course, uh, right? I was just stuffing myself with information. And when I came back that spring semester to bring the story full circle, I had seen the light. And now I was not going to choose to unsee the light. I've seen that there was another world out there. I've seen that I could teach myself. So that spring semester, I decided to sign up for my real estate course. And then I dropped out of college and I never looked back since. So that's how I jumped into the entrepreneurship world. That is an amazing story. And, and I have to keep reminding myself that, um, that kids were in school. Kids were in college during the pandemic and everything just shut down. And, you know, I want to talk about the financial part of it, but I kind of want, you know, you're, you're supposed to be in a place where the whole world is in front of you. Like you have so much that you want to do. You're going to sit there and you're going to learn, you're going to absorb, be that sponge, and then you're going to graduate and you're going to go rule the world. And then boom, pandemic, COVID, the world shuts down, like Regardless of the financial things that you do now, like how how did you cope? Was it just you just getting involved with so much, like not involved, but but just surrounding yourself with so much information that you could just take in? How did you just work through that part of your life? Yeah, so for me, around so March 2020, pandemic took over the world. That May, early May, my um, best friend now girlfriend works at a restaurant, and she told me about the job. That they were, they needed people to come back. They were the staff, you know. Um, no one wanted to come back. It was super uncertain. And for me, I was like, "I'll take it out. Let me work, you know. Let me work." So I just started working. I just started working, and then leading up to November, right of 2020, it was, you know, I was still online. I was taking gen eds. So for me, school was like pretty much a waste of time because I went to school for two reasons: learn how to network and learn how to live my own. And so now that those two reasons are wiped out under me, I'm just doing the bare minimum. And I was working close to 35 hours. Um, we had outdoor dining, technically, so we mm-hmm. still work. And so I was just pretty much working, doing enough to get by for the semester. And like for me, then once I started learning, it's like a spark came in me. And it's like, oh, I just immersed myself entirely in it. Mm-hmm. And then once I, you know, I decided to make the decision to drop out, I picked up a job at K Jewelers. And then I started studying for my real estate classes. And then at one point, you know, spring 2021, I started working close to 70 hours on top of studying for my real estate course. So it's like, I didn't have time to worry about what was going on in the world. I was trying to, you know, I was trying to make a way for myself. Despite, you know, the, with the whole world being uncertain, the only thing I could be certain of was myself. So why not bet on me? And I love that. And I think a lot of that, you probably learned a lot of that from your upbringing and how hard you saw the people around you working just to make sure you were taken care of. And I can really see it in that, in the way you looked at the, uh, your, your one, your time, like you valued your time. Like I could sit here and I could just wallow in oh the world's shutting down let me wait six months let me take off a semester let me just chill out for a little bit 
But you said your time is, is more important than that. You valued your time. Yeah. And then a, a big thing, which I don't think I, I try to tell younger people this all the time is like any experience is good experience because you don't know when you're going to use that in your future. So you might say, I worked at KR, I worked in a restaurant or did this, but you know, you're learning to be on a schedule. You're learning to be accountable. You're learning hard work. These are the things you're learning, which can always transfer to another job, to another career, and it could transfer into entrepreneurship. So after all this, like kind of talk about walk to wealth, yeah, the website, what you do, how it helps people. What's the genesis of walk to wealth? Yeah. So around spring 2021, this is around August or July, I believe. Me and one of the guys would always hop on FaceTime, just talk about life, goals, things we want to accomplish, stuff we wanted to do. You know, deep conversation, brother to brother. And one day he was like, hey, bro, maybe we should start a podcast. And I was like, you know what? I think that'll be a good idea. And so long story short, he ended up going back to college. At that time, I had already left school, so our schedules didn't match up. And that was close to the time where I actually ended up getting my license. I got licensed two weeks after I turned 20. I ended up procrastinating about four months or so because I couldn't think of a name. And then around December, I came up finally with the name Walk to Wealth. Now, the story behind the name is for the 99% of us that aren't overnight sensation, it's a long walk to wealth. And some may walk faster than others, but what good is sprinting to the finish line if you pass out when you cross it? And so that was, for me, the genesis of Walk to Wealth. And I knew I wanted something where... I wanted to document my journey in real time because in this world of so many financial gurus, you know, you can't really tell what's what. So I wanted to document my journey in real time, but I also had access to tons of amazing people that I've been able to connect with through real estate and entrepreneurship and all these different conferences. It's like I can kind of in a way get free coaching and then hopefully inspire and educate other young people my age because the people I'm trying to target with are the same age group of the people I went to high school with, right? It's just me two steps back. And so it's like, I'm trying to help these people figure it out because the traditional route, when you're going in the inner city, it's like a lot of people don't want to take the traditional route. And so like for the people that are lost and don't know what's their other options, it's like, well, there's a whole nother world out here that you could dive and, you know, immerse yourself into if you, you, you so um, wanted to do so. And so it's like, for me, walk to wealth. And now it's something where it's like, I was dropping weekly episodes all last year, but then around December of this past year, I really wanted to start doubling down. Because I want this to be more than just a weekly podcast. I want it to turn it into a movement. How can I gather a community around this? It's like the story itself, you know, the title itself tells a name. So how do I get people behind that? It's just like, let's just embark on our walk and see where it takes us. And we're all kind of have this one idea of, of wealth. And wealth to me is not just the monetary side of things. It's the holistic idea of wealth, your relationship, your health, your, you know, your mind, your, your you know, your significant other, your friendships, all that stuff, your business. That's what true wealth, I feel, is. And a lot of people confuse riches and wealth. Thank you for saying it. Thank you for saying it because there and, and this is not this is not the fault of any generation because every generation at mine, my father's, everyone has put such a priority on the the money aspect, the the the, uh, the financial aspect. How much do I have in my bank account? Yeah. But what we've seen. And this is not hyperbole. This is data driven as more and more generations become more enamored with the money. We're seeing burnout shoot up. We're seeing bellies get bigger. We're seeing people not take care of their physical health, their mental health. We're seeing 
uh, divorce rates go up and, and, you know, because we have such, everything is telling us to make more money. This is how you make more money, make more money, make more money. And I have to say, this is what I, this is the part of your generation that I love so much is because your generation is putting such a focus on holistic health, on mental health, on making sure people are equitable and treated right. And first, I want to commend you on that, but I want you to, to talk a little bit more about it because when you say wealth, you're not talking all about money. Yeah. You're talking about the entire human. So kind of talk about what that word wealth means. Yeah. And so one of the most profound things I heard that really shifted my mindset around this, you know, the subject is I heard this one guy in a Facebook video and forgive me because I honestly don't remember who the guy was. And I only remember this part of his conversation. But he said, don't focus on passive income, focus on passive impact. If you could change people's lives while you sleep, you'll make more money than you'll ever know what to do with. Right. And so just shifting your mindset, shifting that thing that orients you from the money to the people that you can serve, that instead of people you're called to serve. And then knowing that everything will fall in place as long as you keep, you know, serving the people you're called to serve and doing right by them. Right. Everything will fall into place. And so it's like that was probably one of the most profound things I heard and it really made me start thinking. And so like one thing I am kind of slightly concerned about is because uh, a lot of people my age like, like to go to the extreme. So like the <laughs> the mental health, right? The, you know, they're, they're taking that a little too far, I think. But for the most part, it is extremely important in that awareness, right? Checking in with yourself. That's something that we we're, were never taught to do, but it's something that's very commendable because like <laughs> my people my age, it's like for, you know, for good or for bad or indifferent, like they're not going to put up with much, right? They're not putting up with anyone's BS. Sometimes it may be because they're lazy. Other times maybe because they're generally getting treated around, like terribly, right? But it's like not putting up with uh, less than what you're worth and knowing that, you know, self-worth is something that is extremely important to your, your success, not only, you know, financially, but also mentally. And you mentioned burnout as well. I feel like the reason why most people are burnt out is because they're not truly fulfilled. And for me, what has helped me with that one one, I read this book called The Purpose Factor. That really got me to start thinking. And then the second thing that really got me to start thinking is this concept called Ikigai. And it stands for your reason for being. And pretty much it's the intersection of four circles. And the four circles being what you love to do mixed with what the world needs, mixed with what you can be rewarded for, mixed with what you're good at. And that's a good place. If you don't know where you're starting, you probably think about this as you're running right now. It's like, damn, like, what am I good at? You know, what does the world need? What can I be rewarded for? Like, a lot of times we do things that are fulfilling and volunteer work, charity work, but we still got to keep the lights off, right? And we keep the lights on. So it's like, and then what are you good at? Or what do you have the aptitude to be good at? A lot of the skills that we have, right? There's some guy that I was talking to that um, I was interviewing pretty much said, the person, the fish that's in the water is always the last person, the last to realize that it's in water, right? Because when you're in it, you don't realize that you're in it. You don't know what it is. You're just in it, right? Everyone else knows that the fish is in the water, but the fish, because he's in the water, it's like, you know, that's just what he's in. He doesn't know that it's an actual thing that he's in. That's just the life he's, you know, he's navigating. So it's like a lot of the times you need someone from the outside to kind of say like, hey, like you're good at this. 
I'm not good at this. I suck at this. You need to help me and I'm going to pay you. And it's like coming from scarcity, coming from poverty, sometimes you don't even feel worthy of receiving money. Like for me, that kind of happened. And, mm. and to share a little bit of my story, I taught, I teach social media for realtors too. And just because I, I happen to be in the real estate space. And although that's not my main focus anymore, I'm, I just love that community of people that I've been able to come across. So every now and then I still teach my social media classes and, you know, share my knowledge. And my first class, I kid you not, they have a mastermind call from 630 to 7 a.m. I'm always normally in the gym at that time. And they were talking about social media. And I know a thing or two just from using it socially growing up. And so I couldn't talk because I'm in the gym, as you know, but there's always random people grunting and making weird noises and stuff like that. So I was like, I'm not going to share it on the call. I'm just going to make a quick Facebook post. I made a quick Facebook post with like five quick tips, like a sentence each, posted it to the group. That was that. At least that's what I thought. Next thing you know, the host and moderator of the group, um, she pretty much was like, hey, John, I want you to teach a class on this. And I was like, I I never taught a class before. And she was like, John, let us know when you want it scheduled. And from there, I couldn't fumble the bag twice. So I ended up teaching my class. That class had over 440 people signed up. And it was like, well, I probably spent more time figuring out how to send out invites using MailChimp that I actually spent preparing for the class. But like, it's something that had she not told me to teach a class, I would have never seen that there was something there for me that people found valuable. So it's like, you know, spend some time thinking as to like, you know, what fulfills you. And sometimes you may need someone else from the outside to look at it and say like, Hey, you're really good at this. You should, you know, you should do this or you should try that. And there was a first of all, that's that's amazing. I, I appreciate you sharing that. But one thing that resonated with me is that you know sometimes you don't feel worthy of the money that you're you're getting. Like you don't feel yeah. worthy of that dollar. You don't feel worthy. Hey, thank you for doing that. Let me let me let me buy you lunch. Let me give you here's twenty. Like you don't feel worthy of that. Like yeah. And I think that's a part of all of us that that feel that way sometimes like it's all about self-worth and it's all about taking that power back and once you realize one how much power you have and how much independence you have and 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 how great you can be that's that's you know that's a step you could take but then that worthiness piece that worth like you are worth your time you're worth your effort and people aren't just paying you for what you did that day. They're paying you for the experience. They're paying you for all the training. They're paying you for everything you did the past year to get to where you are now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, someone like you who, who's helping people get on that journey for wealth. And let's be honest, like, we're not going to say it's all about money and all about, but you got to pay the rent. You got to pay the mortgage. Like, yeah. money, <laughs> capital, we're still living in a capitalist society. Last, last time I checked, I went to the store today. Mm-hmm. To grab groceries, I, I couldn't just pay with my words, you know. So, um, it's it, you know, th- those you know, w- when you work with people, I would love to hear about kind of the goal setting that you have with them and just how you make them comfortable m- making sure they understand that their effort, their product, their ideas, their words, all of that is worth money. And they should yeah. be expecting that. How do you work with people to get to that part in their journey? Yeah, so I'll just use me as an example, right? Because I was my own test dummy, right? And I still am my own I love, test I dummy. I love that. I love right? that. <laughs> and so like for me, so to continue on with the story, that first class I said had 440 people sign up. 
right? So I was like, oh, shoot, like I got a good, you know, a good group of people to, you know, sign up for this social media course. And that kind of definitely like boosted my, my, I guess my, my name a little bit in the group. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, John's a social media guy. You go to John for the social media stuff. And um, then my second class I taught was on TikTok. And it was very intro level. I'm talking like I was just going over the buttons, like intro level. Like that's how intro level it was. And that class also had over 400 people sign up. And then from there, it was like, okay, um, I taught the class. I didn't spend as much time on MailChimp this time around. I kind of figured it out. And then at the end of the class, I opened it up for Q&A. And literally, one of the, so the, that same mastermind group, is there's two hosts. The other host, like, was on. And she was like, John, do not do another one of these again without charging. Oh, and you were doing those for free? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I never taught a class before. I told you that was yeah. my very right. first class. I never taught a class before. And wow. so it's like that group gave so much to me. I felt like my way to give back to the group was the social media classes. Mm-hmm. That's like, hey, I know a thing or two. I'll just teach you guys. Mm-hmm. Right. That was not that was my way to contributing back to the tribe. Right. And so that literally and while everyone there was like almost 200 people live on that Zoom call and she hopped on and was like, John, do not do another one of these for free. And then she was like, what, what's your Zelle? What's your cash up your Venmo or whatever? Put that in the chat so we can start sending you some money. And I was like, no, no, no. I kind of like awkwardly mm-hmm. smiled and like was like, and eh, no, you know, uh, you know, and eh. right. And so it's like, now it's like this time around, I taught a class literally a couple weeks from the time we're recording. Uh, and as I said, I, I tried the social media route, but um, I don't want to turn that into a business. I, this mm-hmm. is more the mission with my, my podcast, that message, what I really want to expand. But like, I'm just using it because as I said, I still love that tribe. So, uh, but I also am now more receptive. So now this time around, I taught another free class, right? But this time I upsold to a workshop. That way the people mm-hmm. who wanted the free value, you got your free sauce, right? You got your game, you got your value. And then I'll just make my money on the back end with the people that want to go in depth. Right. That way I get paid for my time. The people who want to just the surface level knowledge, they got it. They got the concepts The people who want the tax, you know, the, the tactics and the step by steps. They'll get even more with the workshop. So it's like it's a win win. People want the surface level, get their stuff. The people want to go more in depth, get their stuff. And then I get also rewarded for my time and paid for my time. And the mental shift that I had to make one was realizing that money is a token of appreciation. Right. If someone has a lot of money. They have a lot of tokens of appreciation, whether they were conniving to get that those tokens or not. That's a whole nother story. Right. But for the most part, people like to show their appreciation with money. Right. It's like, oh, you, you took care of me here. Here's a tip. That's why we tip bartenders. That's why we tip, you know, good service, you know, uh, servers. Right. They, they took care of us. That's why I tip people off for the ladies. If you're listening, when you go get your, your hair done, your nails done. Right. You tip you, you tip the people who provide you a good service, a good experience. Right. Who provide you value. Right. And to decline that offering is almost in a way uh, offensive to the person who's offering it. And so it's like being okay knowing that this is how they're expressing their thanks. It would be rude of you to not take it unless you know that you genuinely didn't help that person. If you know that your class or your course or your book or whatever you think that you're offering isn't valuable to that person and you just still took that money, then that would be very dishonorable. But knowing that you put your, you know, your your hard, you know, work and your time, your effort into that stuff. And it's really just unpacking the your thoughts around this. Like, yeah, I put a lot into this. Yeah. Because if you don't charge them, 
than someone else is. Mm. And people perceive free as not valuable, right? That's why people spend billions of dollars in designer clothes. They want to perceive people to perceive that they're wealthy and rich, right? And so, so if you're giving out all this free stuff and nothing you do is ever charged, it's like, well, clearly it can't be that good. They're just giving out the secrets for free, right? But it's like, you have to find that medium where it's like, you can charge and make some money for the people who want to go in depth, but the actual information, the concept, give it out for free and make sure that your free stuff is better than people's paid stuff so that when they see your stuff, then they want to, you know, go further down the funnel and work with you. And it's like, um, only about 10% or so of people will ever take action on any of the stuff that you teach anyway. So it's like, if you're worried about keeping the, you know, the, cra- the crappy patty formula to yourself, yeah, give it out, man. I promise you they're there's not going to be anyone else who even tries to make a Krabby Patty. And the people who do are probably going to suck at it. So it's like, you you just just give out as much sauce as possible. That's like pretty much the, the first step is like being okay, you know, with one receiving and two, knowing that majority of people aren't going to do take action. So it's like, you can give out the game, provide that value, build that rapport. And then people are going to ask you how they can give you money eventually like they did with my social media class i had no intention of ever charging for that stuff but it's like well they wanted to give me the money and i know i put a lot of time into this who am i to say no and for for people listening that don't that may not agree or understand what he's saying i've seen this exact thing play out in real time because i remember it was you know i started a photography business back 10 years ago or whatever and i was in virginia and i was i was charging a uh you know what i thought was a a decent amount i didn't want to charge people too much and yeah. you know one of the uh i actually one of the mothers of the of the players i coached she said she told me that someone was charging three times what i was charging per session three times and she said in their booked solid because when you charge more, especially in a profession that people almost want perfection and they want something to come out, they want amazing, like you can't be a photographer and be bad at it. And people, we, you can't, that's one of like, you can't, you really can't be mediocre. Like people aren't yeah. going to show your work. So when you charge more and you have a, a standard that you've set, people believe that this is going to be good work and here's the flip side of it if they pay that much and it isn't good work that's going to get around and it almost forces you to to make sure you hone your craft because at the same time you're giving it i understand you're young and you want to help people and and you're giving this way for free but some people who do it for free won't won't really care. Like you have that in the back of your mind. Like, why well, didn't get paid? How many times have we heard? Well, I didn't get paid for that anyway. Yeah. So when I'm, I didn't get paid for that anyway. But I'm glad you mentioned that because one, charge what you're worth. Charge yeah. you charge for your time. Charge for your experience. And two, don't don't undersell yourself. Like you're if you put the work in, you know this is what you're owed. So yeah. I I appreciate you bring that up and I'm, I'm glad you found a way to you know not only make money but get yeah. those people in the back end that was very smart yeah. very smart um i but, want to add a quick point too, yeah sure go ahead, go you ahead. Mentioned, yeah it's it's very important not to commoditize yourself too mm. a lot of people commoditize yourself and by commoditize i mean 
if you are going to undercut the next, you know, person B, right? Because you want to get more clients. It's you're going to spend the same amount of time convincing someone for a hundred dollar, you know, maybe set of photos versus a thousand dollar bridal shoot or something like that. Right. The time it takes to convince someone to say yes or no is going to be about the same time. Right. You're going to still hop on the same 15, 30 minute sales call or whatever it may be. Right. It's like you might as well just go high ticket. And those clients are going to be a lot more willing to work because one, they have more skin in the game. So they're going to be more likely to take action on the stuff that you do, meaning they're going to be more likely to get that transformation that you're selling, that you're offering. And then to that same point, it's like sell the the transformation, sell the vacation, sell the flight. You know, don't sell the flights. Right. No one cares about the diet that you get to get abs. They just want abs. Right? They don't care about what you got to do. You sell the abs. Don't sell the, you know, six month ketogenic, gluten free, you know, low calorie deficit. Right. You just sell the abs <laughs> and it's not, you know, um, coming off in a bad way. But like people want the vacation. They want to go to, you know, uh, let's say Dubai. But they have to fly 12 hours. Who wants to be 12 hours on a plane? People still buy the tickets because they want to go to Dubai. They don't want to go on a plane for 12, 14, 16 hours. They're not even right? thinking about that. Fl- they ain't even thinking about the flight. They, they just think about Dubai. They're so caught up in the end goal. So that's what you got to sell and make sure that when you offer that, that's what's coming across. It's not, you know, um, hey, I, I'm cheaper than the next guy. It's like, no, here's what I offer. I offer it to these people and that's it. And if you don't meet the criteria, like I was in uh, a sales call because I'm right now applying to hop, try to get a TED talk. And there's this this um, this thought leadership um, company that uh, helps with land TED talks, help with your speaking and stuff like that. They all in one. And then on the sales call, they were saying, and so being a salesman myself, I'm always on these sales calls. Like, how are they going to sell me? How are they going to get me? Mm-hmm. Right. And like he was saying, like, we'll decide if we want to work with you. Right. Because they know who their ideal person is mm-hmm. and they're not hard pressed about getting this sale or that sale. They know what they're worth. They know who it's for. They have they know what they their their program does for people. So they're not going to commoditize themselves to try and get the extra client. They're already you know, they're good. And that's what that abundance mindset does. And you don't have to operate in scarcity. You can just be good because you know that your people will naturally gravitate towards what you got going on as long as you keep putting yourself out there. I tell you what, whoever I need to do some more information to tag TED Talks, but you know that the people who started that, I don't know if they they ever had this in mind from the beginning, but they have they don't even they don't sell a product. Yeah. They don't sell a product, but they have people that want to be a part of what they're doing because we know how, like, if I ever introduce myself and I don't mention it, I'm sure I have a friend next to me. He's like, oh, did, you know, Mark did a TED talk. Oh, you <laughs> it's like, I don't want to tell it like that. But that like people are attracted to that because it means so much. Yeah. Um, and they don't, they don't, they don't like you're going to them. They, 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 there's nothing for them to sell. For a sales call, there's nothing for them to sell. So, um, and that's amazing. But you mentioned Dubai, and you mentioned United, you know, that part of the world. And I'm sure there's a lot of billionaires over there. And that was a terrible. That was a terrible segue. But I want to make sure I get this story. So you yeah. spent some time with a billionaire. 
Yeah. What was that like? Please explain. Yeah, so I had the opportunity uh, to go down to Quantum Leap Summit. It's for young adults. It's the Keller Williams real estate company I'm with. They host it every year in uh, June, I believe. And the one of the guys in my office is an instructor. They have like, you can become a, a Quantum Leap coach. He's an instructor. So he could sponsor a ticket every year. And he just so happened to sponsor mine. So I had the opportunity to go. And so I, I go to Quantum Leap. It was in Austin. And the day before... They had this giant rock, paper, scissors tournament. And the girl from my team won. So we had front row seats. And I'm talking like I had the best seat in the house. I was probably like five feet away from him. Right? And this guy, the thing, one of the, the biggest differences I've I seen from regular people and someone who's achieved success at that level is that it genuinely felt as if everything that was spewing from his mouth was like, engraved into his genetic code it wasn't just stuff he picked up in a book it's like his very life was lived out entirely by these principles that he's learned and followed and it was so it was like tattooed almost into his his dna that's what it seemed like and just having that stuff because he was like the whole day so it's like it was like eight hours um and i was just pretty much front and center just taking notes and the things that he was mentioning, like one of the best things I heard from him was like the idea of first creation, second creation, how we all live two lives and not like spiritually, but like in a, in a way where everything that we're living out physically already happened mentally. Right. And there's one rapper said, you know, where we are today is an accumulation of our past thoughts. Right. So it's like where we're at right now, whether consciously or subconsciously, we already planned this out. And now it's playing, whether that's through our limiting beliefs or trauma or indoctrination or bad teaching or, you know, maybe we had a good people that, you know, has walked into our life. All that, right, is played into our mind. That's our first creation. And our second creation just so happens to be what actually happens to play out in the real world. And so that was probably one of the biggest things is like, okay, well, how do I tap into knowing what the first creation is and how do I control that realm so that this realm that I'm in physically can also mirror what's going on up here? What do I have to feed into my mental diet? We talked about abs earlier, but do, do you know, do you have brain abs? Like bad analogy, but right. Do you have, what does, you know, what does your mental diet consist of, right? Is your brain being fed good stuff? Are you listening to people like podcasts like this in the morning? Or are you listening to the news headlines? It's like when you realize everything we do actually matters, you realize that one you know, another good quote is like, when we when we're born we look like our parents when we die we look like our choices so you know what choices are we making whether it's the stuff we consume physically or the stuff we consume mentally what choices are we making or what choices are we refusing to make because refusing to make a choice is a choice within itself right it's like what choices are we making to that have made us end up where we're at currently and not where we want to be not making a choice is a choice in itself I think more truer words have never, ever been spoken. And um, I, I think, so if you're listening to the show, and if this is the first 6 a.m. run show you've listened to, or maybe you listened to a couple, I want you, one, to replay this show when you're done. And I want you also to go to listen to a show I did with Lewis Shulman a few weeks ago. And both you and Lewis are the, about the same age. He's a little older than you, but... 
I, I, and I just want to take this moment to not even talk about like the wealth and the financial stability, all that stuff, but a, a lot of bad, you, your, your generation and Lewis's get such a bad rap sometimes mm-hmm. that you're, you're lazy. You're just resting on your lows. You don't know what you want to do in life. And it happens to happen that I, in, in one season, I get two of the same people in the generation that are trying to help people your age build wealth. They're trying to help people your age be financially stable. And you've talked about how you went out and got two jobs working 70 hours a week. And this is a question. This is more of a personal question. I'll, I'll be honest yeah. with you. Does does the negative, you know, rep that your generation get? Does that is that ever play in the back of your head, or, or you just don't have time for the noise? I don't have time for the noise. I think our generation is just as lazy as the last. We just have social media, so people see it, right? There's more evidence to go around. <laughs> That's all it is. I feel. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely you're absolutely right because I did not hold on. I'm going to age the hell out of myself. <laughs> I, I did not get social media until I, gr- I want to say I graduated co- after college. So don't get me wrong. I had some, there was some laziness and some dumb, <laughs> dumb ideas and bad decisions when I was a kid, but no one saw it other than the people who were with me. Yeah. So um, that's, I mean, that's got to be a challenge in itself to to just want to stay in your own lane sometimes. But someone somewhere is is, is snapped a photo, has you know, you <laughs> it's on, it shows up on TikTok or some TikTok or some terrible reel. Yeah. But you know, but you, I mean, there is a there is a a a certain just uh, fire in you that not only do you want to be successful because you could you could go, i have a good feeling you could go out and be successful on your own but you want to teach others there's a there's a part of you that's a teacher and a coach and has that always been the way with you have you been there i mean you you said you 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 were a wise kid you were a smart kid a good student but have you always had that knack for wanting to bring others in with you so from as far back as i remember so i grew up in the hood so i also didn't mention that uh, my dad was very much absent in my life and my mother me and her never had the best relationship and so it's like I didn't have a role model f- which was the biggest blessing for me because I didn't have one sole person to look after I didn't idealize one sole purpose person and what it, it allowed me to do is be open-minded and receptive to everyone that has come into my life whether for a short time or for a long time right and I remember in growing up in middle school and, and high school he had this thing called philosophical chairs and it would always be like a little debate like one thing versus another pizza versus ice cream i like pizza i'm going to the ice cream side just because i want to put myself in that shoes and see if i could understand why someone would argue for this and to then present that against a crowd that was much larger than me even and, and present that despite knowing that i myself like the other thing right it's just like i used to do that all the time and i always i think my my wisdom really started to come through like probably around like early high school and I, I'd say I was always a person that you know liked giving advice and I was also genuinely curious as to what made people tick and I would I would ask a lot of questions a lot of questions that most people my age probably don't spend any time thinking about just like about why and life itself and the bigger purpose and the bigger reason why we're here and all these different I, I was very some, someone that was very much in deep thought uh, I felt very isolated for a good chunk of my middle school years just because like 
being an older brother, being an older sibling, you're like, you're not the favorite. Like once you, you know, the other ones are born, it's like, you're kind of just thrown out the window. <laughs> it feels at times. But then like, as a kid, not understanding that that's just kind of how it is. And you just understand it as a kid, just like, hey, that's not fair. Right. And so I would always be annoyed at home. And for me, my grandparents didn't speak any English. And my Spanish didn't really get good until later on in life. So it's like now I'm flustered. And anyone that's flustered already knows how hard it is to get words out. But now I'm flustered and I got to translate in real time. At a certain point in time, it's like, screw this. I'm going to just bottle, you know, bottle myself up. And I spent a lot of time very early on just, you know, just thinking, just thinking. And I feel like that's what kind of led to um, building that teacher in me and then realizing that there's another world out there. It's like, man... I don't want to wait until I become quote unquote successful by anyone's definition before I feel, you know, compelled or confident or like I should be, I'm allowed to speak now because I've accomplished X, Y, Z. Like I have a story and I have a powerful message behind it and I'm not the most successful 21 year old, but I just have so happened to find my voice a lot sooner than most people my age Mm -hmm. and just making every moment of that count is pretty much what I've been after. That's amazing. John, this has been such a great um, conversation. It, it really has. But before I let you go, I, I want you to uh, kind of plug how people can get in contact with you, how to learn more about you online. Yeah. So the best way to get in contact with me is definitely if you go to www.walk2wealth.com. That is the best way to get in contact with me. Right now, I'm also doing a virtual summit for March. It's called the First Step to Wealth. Um, it's going to be firststeptowealth.com. And that's two with the T-O, not the number two, like in my podcast. So firststepthewealth.com. Website isn't out at the time of the recording this, but it will be out. The date's going to be March 22nd to the 24th. And that is also going to be free. Anyone that wants to start in their journey um, does it kind of lost. I'm bringing in a bunch of, you know, a bunch of speakers, three days, bunch of knowledge for anyone that's lost and needs some guidance trying to, you know, embark on their entrepreneurial journey. I love it. John, keep doing what you're doing. It's been a pleasure speaking to you. Um, You have, I I can tell you, you have a very, very bright future in front of you. And um, I think a lot of people are going to learn a lot from you. So I appreciate you being part of the show. You take care of yourself. and We'll talk to you later. Okay. You too, Mark. Take care. It was an honor. Thank you, as always, for listening to the 6AM Run Podcast. Again, I am your host, Mark Paisant. Please like and subscribe to the show so you don't miss any of this amazing content. If you can, we would love if you left us a review. Remember to follow us online and use hashtag 6AM Run to connect with the greatest group of runners and fitness enthusiasts in the world.